Thanks for listening to the show. Join us online at playvolutionhq.com and learn how to support the show at explorationsearlylearning.com slash support. Welcome to Renegade Rules. Kick back, settle in, and let us fill your ear holes with early learning information, wisdom, and advice. And now, here's Heather and Jeff. Welcome to Renegade Rules. Jeff Johnson here with Heather Shoemaker. Heather, we talked a couple episodes back about that you were you were uh, floating out a new book, a children, a, 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 a fiction, uh, a book of fiction um, for 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 a publisher, and you have news on on that front. Tell us about it. I do. Yeah the um, the book it's a it's an adventure story with three kids and a big goofy Newfoundland dog. And they get into all kinds of adventures and mysteries and difficulties, and I am so thrilled that a publisher in New York picked it up, made an offer. Simon & Schuster is going to be publishing my first children's novel, and it's coming out um, in March, but... March of 2019, so we got a little ways to wait. So we'll be able to pre-order that a little bit ahead of time, but probably not quite yet, huh? Yeah, we're still working on some edits and uh-huh. designing the cover. And co- oh, we've come up with a title though, so that's good. Yeah, um, but- it was going to have the word "ghost" in the title, uh-huh. but I realized because I've written some other books that the title that I start with is usually just a working title, and then it always gets changed. Mm-hmm. So, for example, my book, It's Okay Not to Share, I had titled it originally Boxing at Preschool. (laughs) I thought, oh, yeah, that would be good. Boxing at Preschool. It came to me in the shower, you know, Uh where all good ideas come from. And the editors said, well, that would sound as if it's only for preschool teachers or, you know, it doesn't sound welcoming enough Mm -hmm. to include parents and grandparents and so on. So that, that title got scooted off into the sunset, and then it became It's Okay Not to Share. So I expected fully that this book would have a new title. And it was interesting that they wanted to get rid of the word ghost. And I kind of agree with them, because even though there's a couple ghosts in the book, mm-hmm. they're not that kind of super scary horror movie type ghost. And the book is more on the charming level. Um, Jeff, I don't know. Have you ever read The Penderwicks? No. No. Okay. So this is above picture book level. This is the next level. This is elementary school level. But there's a whole series of books called The Penderwicks, and they're about a family of four girls. And then they have friends who are boys, and they have pets. And it's just kind of an old-fashioned family, wholesome sort of adventure series. Mm -hmm. No magic, no ghosts, but just kind of sweet. And they're very popular. Um, My kids love them. So my book is a little bit more, uh, even the editor called it Penderwicky. <laughs> so it's not a super scary book. It's got uh-huh. this Penderwicky charm, as they call it. Uh-huh. So we didn't want to have the word ghost in the title, because that might scare away parents and kids who who really aren't up for that horror movie stuff, which I am not. I never have watched a horror movie. Way too scary. Um, <laughs> so the new, new title, <laughs> you probably love them, don't you? No. No? Okay. <laughs> I've watched a couple, but that's not my thing. I think that's why my husband and I got married, because neither one of us can stand horror movies. 
Um, in any case, the book now is called The Griffins of Castle Cary. And it's about the three, three Griffin kids. So their last name is Griffin. And it has kind of a, a big manor house, and it has... Um, they're going to put all this on the cover. They're trying to get the three kids, the big dog, um, the, the castle-like manor, all on the cover and make it um, adventuresome, frolicsome, and rich and warm-looking. Oh, wow. So we'll have to see what the cover ends I, up looking like. I can't wait to get a copy for Grandbaby. Um, have you started working on the sequel yet? Oh, yes. Oh, good. <laughs> Yeah, um, it might turn out to be a series. It depends how you know uh-huh. how the the child readers yeah. of the world react because the kids are the true test. Uh-huh. And it was really fun as I finished the manuscript. Um, it only took five years, by the way. But after I finished the manuscript, I did send it out to some families who had kids between the ages of eight and twelve because that's the the uh-huh. market is, is that elementary age, and. They were child test readers to see, you know, what they thought. Uh-huh. And it was really interesting because a lot of them um, just loved all the action and the suspense and they didn't want to go to bed. They wanted to keep reading or they wanted their mom or dad to read another chapter. So that was all very gratifying. But some of them had some suggestions for changes at the climax and things like that. So I have incorporated some of the kid ideas that I thought were really smart they're very good at plot. Oh, that's sweet. I love that. Yeah, they can they can find all the plot holes as we call them. You know, uh-huh. like a pothole in the yeah. road. There's in when you're writing fiction there's things called plot holes. Yeah. Oh, that's sweet. Because they notice everything and they want all the loose ends wrapped up and they want it all to make sense uh-huh. and they completely believe the world, which is the whole point of fiction. Yeah. But they also really notice when something doesn't work. Doesn't fit, yeah. So I've already had some child readers and I hope that when it's a finished book, and the the uh, rest of the child readers get a crack at it. That they will ask for book two because yes, I've already started it. <laughs> well, if, it, if, it, if the first one took five years, you got to get a got to get a jump on the follow up. That's that's yeah. Important. Well, you know, those five years it wasn't exactly full time work, but what I was doing is what I call starlighting, uh-huh. which is trying to find extra time in your busy day to do something you want to do. Uh-huh. I'm sure you know the feeling. <laughs> when do I fit this in? And so what I was doing, because I was also writing my It's Okay Not to Share books and, and doing speaking engagements and busy with other things during the daylight hours, the normal working hours, in order to write a novel, I had to kind of find some extra time in my day, and I couldn't find any at first. So you just had to quit you sleeping? Know, I would, I'd get the kids to bed finally, and the dishes are all washed, and everything's all set. It would be 9 o'clock. And I would say, okay, now I'm going to sit down and write my novel. <laughs> and instead, I would fall asleep in the blue chair, you know, and then drag myself to bed. And I kept thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm not a real writer because I'm just not writing when I have a free moment. And it took me a long time to realize that I'm a morning person. <laughs> <laughs> And that I'd known that for years, actually, if I'd come to think about it. And so these evenings when I was exhausted and, and brain numb was not the right time to be creative and writing a novel. So what I did is realize that what I should do instead was just go to bed at 9 p.m. <laughs> it was okay to go to bed that early, especially since for the next um, year I, I set my alarm and I got up an hour earlier than everybody else. 
and sat in the dark with a little light in my computer and started the process of writing the novel. So for every day for an entire year, I got up at between 5 and 6 a.m. and wrote for the entire hour until the kids woke up. And I did that for a year, and by the end of the year, I had a first draft, and then I did it for the next year. And I, during that second year, I revised the draft so that I had something that, instead of having a chapter that said, figure out how to get from this point to this point, figure this out later, you know, uh-huh. little notes to myself, it yeah. actually could flow from beginning to end. So, yeah, it wasn't completely five years solid. And I, then I, the third year, I let it rest and just let it sit there and kind of stew in its pot for a while. I love that getting up in the morning and working on stuff thing. I've been doing that for a couple of years now with just different things because there's always so much going on. And it, I, I love that feeling of by 9, 30, 10 o'clock in the morning, you feel like you've, you've accomplished something already. And, uh, and it's just, just kind of a good feeling. It's a great feeling. And you know what's funny is I was so nervous about giving up sleep when actually mm-hmm. I got more sleep because I went to bed earlier, mm-hmm. and I had this exhilarated, I got something done feeling, and my brain was feeling on fire with all this you know, energy that I'd put out. So I started my day off in this really good mood, and the kids liked it, and everybody liked it because I was happy. And um, So by 6 a.m., I was in a really good spot. Well, we had a we were going to talk about the book for a minute and then go on to another topic, but we're going to we're going to change that here midstream, Heather. I I I think we need to talk about this as adults living and working with kids. Our mindset matters a whole lot. We've touched on that a lot, but this kind of thing that making time for your own thing as a as a parent or caregiver makes you such a more accessible, pleasant effective version of yourself when you interact with the other people in your life. And and what a lot of parents especially do is is they their whole life comes becomes consumed by by the child and the child's needs and the and the family stuff and they, they lose track of their own personal goals and and objectives and, and it, it they become a lesser version of themselves because of that. So this kind of thing that you're talking about here, making time for the thing that's important to you, makes all other aspects of your life better, doesn't it? It does, and the kids notice it. I mean, they instead of getting this groggy, slightly grumpy morning me, they were getting a me version that had been awake for an hour and was all fired up. And so my interactions with them were more calm and mature and and happy and cheerful than they might have been and Uh they reacted in kind you know it's how you're feeling inside is how you present to the world sometimes when you know it and sometimes when you don't know it so yeah absolutely and another aspect of what you're talking about is that um sometimes kids think gosh why would i ever want to be a grown-up uh-huh. All they do is fun. go to work and do the chores and complain about money and exactly. whatever it is that they might see. If they don't see you enjoying your adult life or following something that you really love, you know, so your granddaughter might see you working in the wood shop or mm-hmm. seeing you do something, and then they get really interested. You become a much more interesting person if you follow it, it, just even one of your passions. Yeah. Or they also, it can help dispel the fear that a lot of kids have of growing up. Uh-huh. Oh, growing up is all these problems. I don't think I want to grow up. I think I'll be irresponsible, immature, and stay a kid forever. Yeah. 
Yeah, and if we want children to grow up and be creative, they need to see creativity in in their lives. They need to see somebody being creative. If we want them to grow up, grow up and be able to to stick to a project that 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 takes time, we need they need to see somebody working at something and putting in that time and the effort, and 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 then reaping the rewards of the of the payoff when it comes to an end. And all of those things are. I mean, we can talk about them to kids, but they learn so much more when they see those things acted out in in day to day life by somebody that they are close to. Yeah, it, it's do what we do. Yeah, <laughs> you know, not just the talk. So yeah, and it, it's 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 a powerful, and it's powerful as the adult too, because then you think I'm actually living what I've been talking to them, or I'm, I'm living my dreams, or I'm attempting to live my dreams, and that's. That effort and that attitude um, rubs off in everybody around us. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I mean, it goes back to. I mean, I think. I think if you're a parent, you're a professional role model. I mean, that become, kind of becomes your job. And, <laughs> yeah, but, it can be a little wearisome. But if yeah. you're doing something that you love, then that model of being a role model is is a lot more fun. Yeah. Well, this this kind of thing, this taking on the personal dream, the goal, that kind of thing. I, I hear a lot of people. The first response when I suggest it is often, well, that 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 would be selfish because they they feel investing that time and energy in their own thing takes away from the family, from the child, from other things they should, from yeah. the dirty dishes in the sink, whatever it is. And I mean, my response to that is always, well, you, you get comfortable with being a little bit of selfish if that's the way you feel it, because because the payoffs on the other end are 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 well worth the the discomfort you may feel when you get started on this and you'll see those payoffs fairly quickly in in most situations i think well and as somebody said to me it's the the discipline of um regret or the discipline of hard work on anything that you're attempting so you can either buckle down and do it um maybe get up earlier or you know find a spend a little less time with your families you can do something you need to do or you can just regret it all your life. You're going to have... Oh, sorry, I didn't say that right. It's the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. Yeah. That's how it goes. And, um, you know, that a lot of us have things that we wish we had done. And, um, you know, let some of those go. Find one thing that you want to go after. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, But also, this is something... I think when we hear kids say, when they're quite young, this is what I want to do. Well, sometimes it's a little bizarre. When I grow up, I want to be a bird. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, or I, something maybe that we don't think is that practical. But other times, really, a child may know something that she wants to do or he wants to do from a very young age. And I know that was true for me because I wanted to write books starting when I was four. And I wrote little books, you know, the ones with the staples. Uh-huh. And, you know, the, um, but I wanted to write books that would be on bookshelves and in libraries and in schools. Uh-huh. And it's very fulfilling, of course, to a few years later than age four be able to do that um, a few decades <laughs> later. <laughs> but to let kids know that this is something that I wanted to do uh-huh. since I was four or I was eight, and now I'm doing it, um, I think that gives them hope that some of their dreams that they're dreaming really can come true for them because they see somebody else doing that, somebody yeah. else who held on to something. Yeah, there's so much good there. Um, well, we've put 15 minutes into into this. Um, anything else on this topic we should we should touch on? Because I, I got something else I want to touch on for a little bit too. 
Yeah, sure. I would just wrap up by saying that the the Griffins of Castle Cary is dedicated to my oldest child, um, and that's pretty special because since the book was is intended for eight to twelve year olds, he was my first reader, and he read it for the first time at a very early draft when uh-huh. he was only eight. Did he have a, did he have a lot of notes <laughs> and then, of for course, you? He read more drafts when he was nine and ten and so on, and now he's just past the age of twelve. Uh-huh. Um, so it took a little bit longer, but he's passed through that whole range, <laughs> the whole process, of, <laughs> the whole process. Did he have good notes for you? Um, yeah, mostly encouragement, but also you know, uh-huh. um, kids kids when they see you engaged in your passion can be very very encouraging. So. Yeah. It would be great fun to actually put a copy in his hands eventually and all of your hands. So I hope that the families that started with toddlers and preschoolers with It's Okay Not to Share, and then they moved up a step or two, went to kindergarten, went to elementary school with It's Okay to Go Up the Slide, by the time 2019 rolls around and the Griffins of Castle Carry is a real book, the kids will be old enough to read it or uh, enjoy it having it be read to them. I can't wait to share it with grandbaby and in March 2019 it's just right around the corner so I'm going to right around the corner absolutely. really. No, <laughs> life goes way All too right, fast. Oh so the other topic the other topic is uh, episodes back we talked about the uh, the nominations for this year's induction into this year's uh, class of the uh, Toy Hall of Fame and earlier uh, about oh. an hour before we recorded I had a uh, I heard on the radio that they they have named the inductees, and I thought maybe we should touch on them. I don't remember everything that was nominated, but there was some garbage stuff on there. Um, no, there's some stuff I just wouldn't have voted for. Um, so we need a drum roll. A who's drum the, roll. Who's so, the voted-in winner? Um, so the voted-in winners, i got to find my note, are one, the Wiffle Ball. Uh-huh. Which I, I'm cool with that. Number two, um, Paper Airplane. Good. And number three, the game Risk. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, Risk's one of my favorites. I wouldn't have put it in the Toy Hall of Fame because it ha- just because toy is a bigger idea to me. Yeah. I wouldn't necessarily put any board game in there, but... As board games go, it's a pretty yeah. No, it's a it's a good, good game. Um, yeah, so I'm 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 happy with those compared to some of the things that were on there that we probably trash talked about when we recorded that episode. So, um, <laughs> well, I think the paper airplane is the most pleasing to me because it's simple. And it can have hours of delight, and of course, grown-ups like them too. Yeah, yeah, and and wiffle balls don't fly into wiffle the neighbor's ball, yard. I think any ball, but you know, wiffle balls specifically are fine. There's just so many. Just I think probably ball has hit the toy hall of fame already. Yeah, yeah. So this is a a subcategory of that. But no, I'm happy with those. And and I I like to think that our voters, our, our listeners, went on and uh, voted and and. Uh, and, and help bring this about, because that's a pretty good list. Anything else we should uh, touch on before we wrap it up? No, just, um, yeah, the, the topics of, of fiction and finding your time and your passion and toys, those are all good things. So. Yeah, and hey, when it comes to topics, if, uh, if you have any things you want us to talk about in the podcast, uh, send me an email, Johnson at cable1c-a-b-l-e-o-n-e dot net, and uh, we'll put it in our topic list because we like to we, we want to talk about the stuff you guys want to listen to, um, if that makes sense. So if you have anything for us, send them, send them along. Uh, we good? 
sounds good to me. Looking forward to sharing new types of books with, with all of you oh, it's listeners. it's going to be exciting. We'll be back next week with another episode. This has been Renegade Rules. Bye-bye. Bye. And Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. Music by Alexander Shoemaker. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.